up, everyone? It's Daniel Bostic, and you are listening to episode five of Chaincast. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in, for subscribing, for rating us on iTunes. Um, it has been a crazy couple of weeks, and I'm joined here with uh, my co-host, Mr. Ali Alexander. How are you doing? Wowzers! It's been, it has been uh, a couple of uh, crazy weeks uh, for the world, for crypto, and for us. Yeah, it has. I mean, you know, there was like this stuff out of Syria, the crypto markets are rebounding. There's just so much happening with politics that I don't even like want to remotely start trying to get into that. And then for me personally, my water heater broke last week. So that, (laughs) that really sucked. It's amazing how expensive a water heater is. It was like $1,500 to order it and get it put in. And I was like, ah, of all the times, but uh, I guess we should be thankful that we have people who know how to do that kind of stuff because i sure don't absolutely i mean you know uh god bless the working class and god bless living in a first world country where like we can get that type of stuff readily done i mean all for the sake of our comfort yeah it's pretty it's pretty incredible i mean they had someone here in like 24 hours and it was great and i was thinking like there's people around the world who i think i saw a number was like a billion people don't have access to like drinking water Mm-hmm. It's like, and here I am complaining because my showers cut 10 minutes short. So, uh, you know, it really puts things in perspective. So um, I want to remind you guys uh, to, uh, if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe. It's Chaincast on iTunes. Um, leave us a review rating if you haven't done that yet. We're also under Chaincast on Google Play, Pocket Cast, some of those other platforms. And a quick disclaimer that neither one of us <laughs> are uh, financial advisors or really any kind of advisor for the sake of this podcast. So uh, take everything we say with a grain of salt, do your own research and make sure that you're vetting any projects you choose to get involved in. Now, um, Ali, there is some crazy stuff happening in the crypto market. You know, some people are saying crypto is back. Um, yeah. Us would argue that it never left. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, and then uh some people are saying, well, this is the famous, they call it the DCB, the dead cat bounce. Right. Um, and I don't like that phrase because I have two cats, but uh, oh of this podcast, I'll use it. So can you tell us, is this a dead cat bounce? What are we witnessing in the market right now? So I think that we witnessed a couple of weeks ago, um, sentiment takeover. Uh, so uh, while the technical analysis guys, whom I love, are charting uh, a recovery and and thereby, you know, if the technical analysis guys are back in control, the the bears and the contrarians will say, okay, well, if the charting is correct, this is a dead cat bounce. But I think a couple of weeks ago, um, we hit two significant events. Uh, one, uh, Jack Dorsey made something um, public that he had already made. He had already told me in private, and that is that he does believe that Bitcoin will be the world's currency. And um, so he, he made that public a couple of weeks ago. And, and I think that that uh, put some, uh, you know, we didn't see a, a total price uptick, but it stopped falling for a little while. And then Jack is, um, you know, connected with international investment money. So it's not like this is just some 
geek or really, really talented geek or a guy who runs just a popular platform, you know, Jack is, is, is a person who cares very deeply about the unbanked. And so if, if Jack is trying to accomplish one of these original appeals of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin as uh, Satoshi uh, desired it to be, and that was to help the unbanked to, to uh, prevent moral hazards and bank bailouts. I mean, this is the original purposes behind Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, someone who's thought about this with uh, international investors as his, uh, as his friends, then I think that it, it kind of gives some credence to it. And then there was a billion dollar buy of Bitcoin that shot it straight up. So, so you, know, you know, one could say that maybe it reached overbought. Uh, maybe it was overbought at that point. But I don't know. I mean, I saw it going to five or five, four. And that's what I was waiting for. I mean, um, you know, I sold 25% of my stake uh, when Bitcoin was 8,400. And then I found myself buying back or 8,600, one of those. And then I found myself buying back <laughs> uh, in, uh, in mid 8,000s. Uh, now, so I, I, I got my Litecoin back cheaper, but I did not get my Bitcoin back cheaper. So <laughs> let that be a lesson, everyone, you know, panic. I, I, I didn't panic sell, but I did panic buy. And um, so I think that the charts may not be in control right now. Uh, it's going to chart, but it's not going to be in total control. The, the bottom, if this is not the bottom, the good news is we will be able to see a bottom. Uh, it won't be, it won't be, there won't be a crash, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and, and a bottom, you know, could be down there in the sixes or the fives. Um, you know, I've, I've heard, I've never heard anyone say three, but I have heard four in uh, you know, a high fours, but, but I think this is for all intents and purposes, the bottom and, uh, you know, long time, uh, viewers of not even long time, but people who watched me perfectly call Litecoin from basically July to December. And I use some chart and I use some catalyst driven, um, educated guesses on that. Um, we'll know that I said in January, I made a very bold, or December, I made a very bold prediction, one that uh, go, is, is antithetical, um, very, very contrarian. I was the only person in the country who said this. I said, the only person probably in the world who said this, I said that Bitcoin cannot go through a six-month lull. And I said it, I said it, I said it. I said, I don't really even see three months. Now, obviously, um, I was wrong on the extended guess, but the basis of the guess, if we recover now, then Bitcoin went through a four-month or five-month lull, is what I would call this, a retracement. Um, but it, it, for me, it's fascinating because that means that the next one is even shorter. Hmm. So what this means, uh, if you believe like I do that Bitcoin is experiencing S-curve adoption, um, that that's the slope and, 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 and folks can duck-duck-go that, um, uh, then we are in a period, and, and some people say if after we reach 11.4, we're, we're basically going straight to 20. Mm -hmm. And I hope it doesn't do that. We need sustainability, and we need sustainability not just with the numbers and, uh, and, and on the technical basis. We need it in sentiment. And if Bitcoin does that type of run again, um, it, could, it, it, could, uh, it could make it really unstable. Uh, and you could see a mini crash, and then, but, but you'd see an altcoin season, which could benefit crown and litecoin and bitcoin cash and some other ones um i don't know about ripple but we'll see the mm -hmm. sec sounds like they're about to, uh they're about to i think uh punish ripple uh, and maybe ethereum uh but so anyway i i, I i'm uh, you know a uh, hundred percent of my fiat that's been reserved for crypto is back in crypto 
instead of just 75% in crypto. And, you know, a lot of us have some pains to earn back from our, our uh, previous highs. Um, but I'm in the profit and I'm happy. You know, I, I still think I've, I've been saying it. I think we reached thir- I think we hit 30,000 sometime this year. And, you know, people always have asked me, do you still believe that? Do you still believe that? And I said, yes, 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 yes. You know, then when it was six, do you still believe it's going to reach 30,000? <laughs> it's going to grow five times. I was like, yeah, that's, that's not a hard, that's not a hard presumption. So, you know, if one billionaire or if one multi-billionaire spent a billion dollars on Bitcoin and we see we saw a $900 uh, or so jump, uh, uh, that's really not that hard concerning how many um, hundreds or thousands of uh, billionaires there are in this, in this world. And I have to ask, you know, sort of in that same vein of thought, you mentioned that Jack really believes Bitcoin is the future of crypto at large. Is, is that sounds like that's something that you agree with, correct? Um, the, the, uh, the it really depends so the the where i will say is the the uh where there is the most agreement is that if bitcoin can sustain between um um between 30 i don't know if it's 34 34% or something or higher then then bitcoin is the is the world's uh will be the world's currency if crypto is adopted so so it, so essentially, Bitcoin maintains its price so long as it's, it's occupying this large of a market share in crypto. So the Bitcoin, essentially, the Bitcoin maximalists believe that Bitcoin will one day return to 80 or 90% dominance of the crypto market as a whole. I don't think so. And then people who believe that Bitcoin is king believe that it still needs to maintain anywhere upwards from 25% or more and a market that's, that's, you know, growing at an alarming rate. I mean, if Bitcoin is still only 25% of a crypto market, that's mm-hmm. worth a trillion dollars next year. Um, that's a lot of money. Right. <laughs> um, and so, uh, but there's this sweet spot where Bitcoin, you know, if it was, you know, 38, 42, uh, something in that percentage where as the world's adopting crypto, everyone, everyone invested in crypto, if they're treating it like a security, will also be invested in, in Bitcoin as a base. And then they would, be, um, they would buy altcoins as a hedge or, uh, or uh, to increase their risk. So you could balance out your risk or you can increase your risk with altcoins. But Bitcoin would give you a stable hedge so long as it was used. So you would have places like you know, India and other countries um, that, you know, could theoretically uh, use Bitcoin as a utility. And we're seeing transaction fees have gone way low. I saw someone do a transaction fee, uh, a Bitcoin for five cents. You know, we were seeing $50 months ago. So a great rebalancing is happening. And and Bitcoin needed to take advantage. Uh, You know, if you believe in some of this game theory that's happening behind the scenes, and I've talked to people, you know, high up in that community, um, the transaction fees we're going to be something that they use to kill Bitcoin and Bitcoin cash could take its place. I don't know that that's going to happen anymore. I mean, it didn't, it, it didn't take a new fork or SegWit or anything like that. So if we're experiencing transaction fees this low, Bitcoin cash is in trouble. So yeah, I mean, but, but Jack believes essentially that altcoins will largely fade off. You know, there might be some utility tokens, but 
but altcoins will largely fade off and the whole world will sing happy doodah. Lula, <laughs> Lula. Around and, the uh, Bitcoin table. And I think that kind of ties in a little bit to what we're going to be talking about. But I, I want to ask quick, you know, there's some people who believe, um, and one thing that you've taught me is that adoption is always, you know, underrated. Yeah. Um, and hmm. And features are overrated. Right, exactly. So for Bitcoin to establish that level of market dominance, and and it sounds like kind of knock a lot of these alts off the table, does Bitcoin have to start implementing things across the entire chain, like the Lightning Network, for example? No, uh, and and, and they won't. I mean, certainly now there's a vested interest, you know, like it or not, there's there's a vested interest in letting some of these technologies remain third party. Mm-hmm. So the Lightning Network, which Jack is invested in, um, I think he only invested two million and uh, you know he's worth more than two billion. But um I th- it's gonna remain third party. And I actually think that that's that's better uh for Bitcoin. It lets early adopters and early innovators make money. It lets VCs make money. And then should it ever become too powerful and they become you know, oligarchs or, or something like that, then it is code that could be incorporated into a broader, bigger Bitcoin, or it would lead to a fork. Hmm. And so then they would be holding, you know, something worth nothing. So, so, I mean, the beautiful part is that we're seeing the early parts of the politics of Bitcoin and the economies of the, the politics of economies of Bitcoin. But uh, what I think is that you just need a base. You just need a strong primer and ecosystem of, credible third parties and stuff like that. But I don't know. I mean, as long as transaction fees are low, that's the only thing that Bitcoin, you know, the idea that Bitcoin needs to forever upgrade, uh, it shouldn't, it should have two concerns. Uh, is it, is it, is it scalable? It can be used by people. And hmm. for me, the technical questions are um, either the lightning, either lightning network or really, really fast transactions that, you know, confirm um, and, and people are playing around with that math now. There's, there's some really interesting math that's way above my pay grade that I can't explain, but there's some really interesting math that could theoretically op- make uh, Litecoin or, or Lightning obsolete. So who knows? But, um, and then secondly is, um, oh, now I'm forgetting secondly, now that <laughs> right onto it. Um, transaction speed. Uh, well, I forgot, but, but, but essentially crypto terms and see if anything yeah <laughs> no but i mean bitcoin just needs to be bitcoin and then it gets adopted because of third parties and and this is what's interesting is that decentralization and blockchain has promised a trustless future and really that might not be the case it might be that you opt in to what you want to trust hmm. and that's the case behind utility tokens in, in, in a lot of ways and and that's the case for the lightning network and that's the case for whatever competitor comes out as an alternative to the lightning network and keeps the space competitive. And one thing that um, one of the dudes who's rumored to be uh, Satoshi uh, was tweeting today or retweeted was someone who was citing one of his early uh, works that, that talked about that this is a, this is is still very much a social game. And so um, Satoshi, this is like one of the greatest experiments in social engineering. And I don't know that people at their core don't desire hierarchy. In fact, I actually think that Jordan Peterson makes a fantastic case that um, 
hierarchy is older than any form of humanoid that it that it might be 15 i think 15 i i forgot it, it goes all the way back to the crustacean period i mean lobsters have this <laughs> Uh, and it, yeah, this is kind of a, a we are off the rails, but it's weird. Good, I love it. Yeah. But, but essentially, so it, it's weird. The cool thing about Bitcoin and scaling and being here uh, and, and what we, what we think is the first five to 10% leg of it is, is that you can bet on ideologies that are political. You can bet on sociology, you can bet on psychology. And if you are correct, you know, I, I don't want to get very esoteric and have a conversation about what is truth, but whatever truth is, is going to manifest itself when you're talking about billions of people and trillions of dollars. Yeah. That's how markets run. That's how charts are proven true. That's why we know common patterns from head over shoulders to dead cat bounce to, you know, all kinds of other things is, is because the psychology on a mass scale proves itself true nine out of 10 times probably actually a greater probability. So, so I'm betting that people don't actually want a trustless future, but they want, they want an opt in, you know, and it's the difference between anarchism and libertarianism. Mm -hmm. So anyway, <laughs> I don't want to geek out too much, but, but I, I, I um, but it's, I, I, I'm betting on biology. I'm betting on chemistry. I'm betting on freedom. And, um, and that means that I'm never going to be in one coin outside of bitcoin I'll, I'll i'll be i'm going to be betting on a lot of different futures because i think that that's the promise of crypto as i yeah. phrased it yeah and i think that's a good thing to keep in mind really for anyone who is getting involved in crypto is you know not only do your own research but make sure you diversify out there's a lot of these projects that we're seeing in crypto are very philosophically driven um and some of the projects you can see you know major philosophical differences between the way the teams conduct themselves and the way that the projects are governed, which is really a good segue into sort of the, the main course, what we're going to be talking about, which is um, decentralized governance. I mentioned earlier, you know, we've seen a lot of technologies um, come out of crypto. It's really been mind blowing how, you know, that 18 lines of code um, that was written for Bitcoin has really just led to this deluge of other um, ideas and innovations and one of those um, that we're seeing become more and more commonplace is the concept of decentralized governance. And, you know, we've talked about this on Periscopes um, for a while now, but I, I don't believe we've really formally introduced uh, this concept to our podcast audience. And um, it, it, it really is something powerful and it really is what runs a lot of these projects. Do you want to just give us a brief rundown of what decentralized governance is and then I can kind of get into um, how it's implemented at Crown? Yeah, so decentralized governance in, uh, in crypto uh, projects and blockchain projects are where the community has um, all or some of the decisions in allocating existing resources or mined resources or taxed resources and, and the divvying of it. So they could vote on, they could vote on um, a marketing budget. They could vote on the core team as, as it's called uh, on various projects. They could vote on uh, reducing coin supply. They mm -hmm. could, you know, uh, it, it's like, it's like if you, 
GitHub, but way more decentralized uh, for all you developer geeks out there. And for everybody else, you're like, what? <laughs> but um, but uh, that's that's essentially what it is. And most, and I'm telling you, I think that the Node system is probably the most efficient way of running decentralized governance on these various coin projects and token projects right now. But I don't know that that's going to be it always. Mm-hmm. Right? But, you know, someone is going to figure out I think <laughs> you've got me way too theoretical now. Um, <laughs> uh, someone, I like I, to just ask those questions and then just yeah. where you take them. I'm like, go chase this it's one. It's <laughs> sexy. It's so sexy to think about these things. Um, but I think that one day in the future, somebody will experiment. Me personally, I like the node system and I don't, I don't, I don't really want an alternative, but I could see an alternative where, uh, you know, one coin, one vote. Mm-hmm. And um, and someone figuring out how that all works without nodes, you know. But I don't know. It, it, it's kind of weird because everyone's moving to proof of stake. People mm-hmm. are determining that proof of work is not environmentally healthy. Um, so, so anyway, that's decentralized government governance is is when you you have a financial stake in it, and and because of your financial stake in it, uh, you you also um, get a say for for how funds are distributed on a annual basis monthly basis weekly basis super block basis mind block basis uh, all kinds of basis right and it's interesting too because we're seeing a lot of in my opinion throughout human history we see people arguing with these same concepts over and over again right because there's no there's no one form of government that is perfect. Um, you could argue that, you know, maybe a theocracy would be perfect if, <laughs> if God's actually controlling the strings, or, you know, you could argue that a monarchy is perfect depending on who's in power. But really, um, human history is really trending towards um, decentralized leadership. It's trending towards the people controlling their government. And one thing that we're seeing kind of fleshed out with that in Crown in particular, is how do we decentralize a platform that had to start out centralized, right? Crown had no pre-mine, no ICO, but there were people early on in the days who were the ones who had access to um, buy the token uh, at a very, very low price. And so they accumulated a lot of that and thus, um, you know, they put it in nodes and those nodes are voting. So one of the things Crown is kind of working through is what exactly, um, how exactly you can have a decentralized platform when you have a lot of people um, who have Crown, but only a select few actually control the majority of the votes. And what Crown did was um, sort of as a um, introductory was Crown implemented uh, Dash's decentralized governance. I think they did it pretty quickly after it came out. Um, Crown was one of the- And and by the way, you you and I- uh... Uh, pushed for a proposal system and got that fast tracked. Yeah, we did, and that and that was great. And you know, it was encouraging too. I think for both of us as we were kind of vetting the project to see that sort of action on behalf of the community to see them implement something, um, and and do it pretty well. I think. I mean, at least for initially, I, I feel like in some ways the proposal system for Crown has been in beta for like the past year. Um, I don't know if you share that sentiment. I think there's still you know some things to be worked out. But um, essentially with the crown proposal system, what happens is in the wallet, you can submit a proposal, be that for a marketing budget, as you said, um, for specific work you want to do on code, for a specific uh, video you wanted to create, 
Maybe you want to create crown merchandise for the community. Um, maybe you are hosting a crown website and you want help with hosting fees. And then what happens is those proposals are submitted to the network and the master node holders, um, only master nodes right now, eventually system nodes will be able to vote, but master node holders right now um, vote on those proposals and really determine uh, who gets paid <laughs> um, to, to say it casually. So um, every so many blocks, uh, sort of a smart contract like uh, system goes into effect and votes are tallied up automatically on the network and uh, funds are automatically dispersed for the projects um, that passed. And you and I, I think, have been really good for the community, um, especially when it comes to uh, sort of being vocal about what we like about the project and um, what we don't. What would you say are like your top things relating to decentralized governance that Crown really needs to really needs to work on and flesh out some more? Um, I believe uh, that we're still executing the vision of a person or a team mm -hmm. and that inherently is centralized. Right. And I don't know that that's a thing where there's demand for something else. So I'm not saying that one person's bossing everyone around and that it could work the other way. I don't know that it could. I don't know that the community cares enough. We might have too many speculators on the outside fringes of crown. And certainly there's been concern from the core team and from you and I, and from other big holders that we talked to that, um, that some of the big holders don't care to vote, which, which I think is actually a more dangerous proposition. It means that they might be speculators. Mm -hmm. It might not be that they don't care. It might not be that, the, that they don't have the time to care. And uh, that could be dangerous for a project that reaches its first gigantic milestone because people want to, to what's called lock-in profits. Mm -hmm. And so, so I don't know, but I, I do think that, that the, the core team is awfully centralized. And I don't think like adding you and me on it makes it less centralized. <laughs> um, so I, you know, we need some type of standardization. And I've always said this, is that standardization in the, um, uh, in the crypto community needs to be voluntary and trial and error. So you know, we need to introduce things as social behaviors and social norms that other projects adopt. And I, there needs to be some type of reporting and a guide for a vision. And it's not a freaking roadmap. A roadmap is what we got from the old world. Right. Um, you know, uh, you know, uh, a report or, uh, you know, the idea that, that anyone signing NDAs in, in decentralized projects is, of the old world. So I, I don't, I'm not saying I have the answer. I'm saying as a political scientist, it excites me to one day discover what an answer an alternative might be or how there, there's going to be multiple alternatives. There's not, I don't, I think there might not be one, but I think that uh, we need more, uh, we need more transparency and like, you know, and, and it needs to be voluntary. And then we need, and, and then maybe we find some hard or, or way to hard code some of the transparencies, but but uh, we, we need to all be deciding where we're going if we're all in the coin. Otherwise, what you have is instead of soft forks or hard forks, you have people forks. And these are divesting forks where people divest from the project. And you've actually seen that a couple times in Crown. Yep. People decided to get out. And, and I, what I want the Crown community to know is that that could actually be entirely predicted if you talk to a political scientist or 
uh, a sociologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would they would warn you of these things, and and we, if we were pulling for more expertises, none of this would be surprising to us. The Crown community did not get a bump from the excellent excellent development uh, of the wallet. It's it's frankly it's embarrassing, and mm-hmm. so what's interesting is like okay if we have a vision of a core or a single person and it's being executed. And what decentralized actually means is remote location work and no health benefits or contracts and everyone's 1099, as we say in America, mm-hmm. that is not decentralized and right. that is not the future anybody wants. Um, and, uh, and, and the good thing about having a monarch is that you could always hold them accountable. You could rebel, you could kill them, you could do all sorts of things. And, uh, but in democracies and republics and decentralized platforms then everyone's accountable so who's at fault who's at fault for the crown community not getting the bump that we deserved for the excellent development uh with the wallet update the excellent who's at fault for rolling that update out later than than anticipated that was an embarrassing thing especially for me and you who are selling it to our audience we missed we missed an opportunity to sell and so, you know, I, I don't mean to be specific or go ham. And I know that our friends in the crown community are going to do it, but I'm just telling you as a political scientist, I look at this stuff and I say, this is entirely predictable. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, and, and, you know, because I'm saying it, you know, you know, Daniel can vouch, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's all stuff that one of us or both of us saw coming. And, and, and at some point it's like, you have to choose where are we decentralized and where are we centralized? And are we going to be honest with ourselves about it? So then we can build other systems, checks and balances, accountability systems, auditing features, mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. And this is the whisper. Everyone's talking about it. And people, including people on the core team, including people who work for the core team, including people who hold more coins and assets than the entire core team. So it's like, if we're all talking about it, <laughs> why is it a whisper? Right. Why is it a whisper? Right. And it's only a whisper. The only time you ever need a whisper is on centralized projects. So anyway, that's, that's a, a long explanation for the first thing we could, we could achieve. And it's very nuanced to say transparency, but I think I tackled some of the specific areas. I think it's, you know, it's interesting. Uh, one of the, I, I think it's fair to say one of the lead people on the core team uh, reached out to you and I after the last podcast or, or Periscope where we specifically talked about decentralized governance. And he had a quote that I thought was interesting. He said, democracy is not a choice for crown. If we don't completely decouple centralization from a core team, then the project will fail. And he said, he went on to talk about, you know, this is understand understood by the members of the team. He said certain members of the team (laughs) and uh, this is the direction of the project. So it sounds like they want to move there. Um, What we're seeing is sort of, people grappling with what exactly that looks like and how scorched earth you want to go with that method of thinking. Um, They do. He also highlighted, I thought it was interesting. He highlighted that really the, the community voting feature in crown um, exists so that people can't classify crown as a security asset um, where a central entity is making decisions. And I'm not sure what that means exactly when you have, you know, a handful of people that really control the, yeah, I I would get that vetted by another, uh, another legal opinion. That's not how the SEC is going to look at it. Yeah. I think that crown is a security, but that's not, that's not, that's not a part of the, 
the uh, I believe it's called the Huey test or whatever. But that's yeah, the Howie test, and I Howie think that um, among other things, and I think that you know they're going to have to show that, and I'm not even sure how you do that, but they're going to have to show uh, in the in the next little bit really as the SEC continues to put the band hammer on things, they're going to have to show exactly how many of these people are controlling votes because if you know they go back to the SEC and say, well, this is a decentralized project, and the SEC finds out that you know two people are controlling 95% of the votes they're not going to care if a voting system's in place <laughs> you know to them it's still i would think would still be um centralized so it's really interesting to see them sort of work through a lot of um these things he also mentioned that we're, there's some things that are going to be brought around to improve voting which i thought was encouraging because in the periscope you and i talked about one of the challenges is actually getting people to vote. And you mentioned that, you know, that's probably not the biggest challenge of democracy. Um, and it may not even be necessary to have everyone vote all the time. Um, but, you know, they are going to be doing certain things like delegate, providing the ability for people to delegate their votes to other people, providing push notifications in the wallet for when proposals need to be voted on. Um, system node voting, a system node for those of our listeners who don't know is simply a master node, but it requires less um, crown to hold it. Um, so a system system node voting at some point be implemented. You know, so I think there are some things they're thinking about like that that are really encouraging. And I think they do want to head in the direction of decentralization. Um, I think just some of the differences in the community, some differences we may have with the team and vice versa we get because we're we disagree on how to get there um do you think that's fair to say Entirely fair to say and i think that what we're both saying is that the intentions are well here uh the intentions are good um they need to be informed and and coupled with expertise and um the the problem i will tell you this is how crown fails if we build this system with with agents master nodes system nodes core team and uh, proposal teams like you and I are, and then there's no people. <laughs> mm. And they're like, no, 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 now the people can come. That's, that is not, uh, you know, we're not Disneyland. Mm -hmm. Rides aren't vetted, uh, and people aren't, aren't shopping around for oligarchs. That is not what is about to happen now with or without crypto. So we, we need to be growing faster and, um, and, and I do like, I do, I, I, like you mentioned, I do appreciate that, you know, democracy has to be where this all ends if it's going to be truly decentralized. So it's, it's good that the core team and, and uh, you know, the founder that's still around uh, believes in that. Mm -hmm. And he did say, you know, in the message, he said that he believes that no more than 10% of crown is held by the whole development team. I'm not really sure, you know, for our listeners and people who may be uh, speculating on that, I'm not really sure how you would prove something like that. <laughs> I mean, I can generate a new wallet address in my wallet anytime and move whatever I want to it. So, um, you know, but it'll be interesting to see a lot of these, these ideas um, being drug out. And, you know, like you said, we're going to have some people who stick around with the project. We're going to have some people who have differences and who leave. Um, but at the end of the day, that's just... I think what makes it stronger, the crown team is really just going to have to make the decision of at this point, you know, they need to look back and say, is what we've been doing working? Is it getting us closer to our end goal? And if it's not, who else do we need to bring on? Who else do we need to consult with um, to make that happen? Yeah, absolutely.
So I also, you know, wanted to touch briefly on, we're hearing some, some news coming out of Crown about some different exchanges, right? Probably the, the most uh, open news recently was BitZ has um, completed their review of the Crown code and has sort of accepted it, but they're going to have to, people are going to have to start uh, voting to see if we can get Crown on, listed on BitZ. Um, the Crown community is talking about doing an airdrop to people who are voting, and I'm of the belief, and I think you would agree that, you know, exchanges are really probably the most um, immediate problem for Crown um, because it denies that accessibility to the token and thus, frankly, denies people the ability to buy in and vote. Do you agree with that? Yeah. To uh, get more people involved, we need more exchanges. And you know, you and I um, have toiled at this and we need to keep toiling and we, and you and I need to toil harder mm-hmm. and other people need to toil harder. And Lots of uh, toiling all around. <laughs> yeah, toil, toil, toil. But now you can see why, what the appeal is of airdropping. And uh, even though I'm not a big fan of it, you know, you can, you can I, for me, I can now see more of the appeal in it. And I can't wait to uh, put my money where my mouth is in getting crown listed uh, on Bitsy. Yeah, yep, totally. Last thing I want to touch on is that uh, we've seen some kind of a shakeup happen with the core team, and we've seen the core team purposefully sort of decouple the marketing side of things with the core team proposal. Um, so essentially what that means for everyone is that whereas some of the marketing was done through a core team proposal and some was done... Um, directly to the individual who is doing marketing for the project, uh, Joe Connors. We're seeing um, sort of that decouple a little bit. Now the core team, it looks like, is trying to kind of split out those proposals, although um, it wound up that, I guess, like three people um, launched their own marketing proposal. Do you have any thoughts on exactly, you know, should that, should that decoupling have taken place? Should they have remained together? Because it sounds like a lot of the issues that we've touched on with Crown really could be, if not completely resolved, significantly mitigated by having an appropriate marketing strategy. Um, so do you think this was a good step? Is this a step you disagree with? And I mean, this is these are the people aside. You and I both met them. I think we generally have um, decent opinions of everyone on the team. But from an objective sort of business financial standpoint, was that a good move? Was that a move that we would say, uh, well, that you would say, I don't, I'm not sure about that. How, how did that, how'd you feel about it's that? It's tough for me because, it, you know, if I was looking at Crown like a startup, which it's acting like, you'd say that's a bad decision. But if you say, oh, well, we're four years old, you'd say, okay, well, a decentralized project four years into it should be of the people. Why is this not? So I think that Crown needs to take a hard look inside and get away from this map and get away from this roadmap and then get away from this, uh, the features and all that, you know, feature, 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 and just decide what are we. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I don't know. I think ideally, I think there should be massive competition when it comes to adoption. Adoption's a race. Um, and I, I frankly think there should be a brand guideline, but I, I, if it were me in a decentralized project, I would want people constantly being put out of work to be quite frank 
um, because it's that so like a higher turnover among the people. high turnover. Okay. You know, people doing stuff for a month or two because you want to attract new, greater people. And the idea about, about this is that it's not just competition. that's good for the whole, but in crypto, which is very interesting, it's truly good for the whole. Mm-hmm. So when you think about competition in an American market, it leads to a higher GDP, which allows our government to have more revenue. Well, that allows us to better defend ourselves and our allies and to create these corridors where treaties and free trade agreements can occur. More prosperity equals more peace equals less war. You know, this is the theory behind it. And um, so it's not just money, money, money. But the idea is that if you have person X doing marketing and their marketing efforts are successful and they, they attract person Y, well, person X is out of a job. Right. But their crown that they're holding becomes more valuable. Mm-hmm. And they were an early adopter. So they, can, they could acquire it for less. Person Y is successful. Person Z now comes in. Uh, so, you know, theoretically, it's always growing. And the only time that anyone should be stagnant in a crypto project, a decentralized project, is when they, one, want and have power, so you can't kick them out, or, uh, or two, they are the best. And there should be no one who's the best. You know, everyone, sh- everyone needs to die. You know, people don't live forever. I mean, that would be tyranny of the children. <laughs> um, so, you know, and, and that goes for us, you know. I do think like we're the best advocates in this special little arena that we do pumping out consistent, good, edible content for the community and for prospects. But, you know, but in a lot of ways, you know, there should one day be someone who pumps us off. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think you and I have talked okay about that. I mean, we're both holders. If someone come along right. and blow things up past what we've already. Yeah. Do, you I'm can like, make money while doing nothing. Yeah. I'm like, come on, let's get it. Let's do it. Yeah. So that's the thing is like, do I want, do I want a thousand crown a month or do I want my crown to my, my, my existing crown to double each month, you know, or go up 10% each month. And, and so that's the, it's weird. I don't think enough people are having these frank conversations. You know, it's easy for you and I, because we both believe in the free market and we both, you know, believe and are studied in economics. It's not really like, it's not, it doesn't have to be a personal conversation. And plus, there could be a transitionary period where people are managing or sharing that knowledge and then get phased out. So I don't know. I, you know, if the core team is becoming more about development and isolating it to development, and we're not forgetting marketing, but marketing is something that's competitive outside of the proposal system, then good decision. Mm-hmm. But it does speak very ill of a project that we don't have the people, but we have right. the marketing, and the marketing has always been there. And 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 so you have to. You have to, you know, is you have to say it might not be the person's fault. It may be the fault of the project. Hmm. The project may suck. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, and we're seeing a lot of people grapple sort of with the struggle of, you know, how do we fit all of these different job roles and um, responsibilities into the current proposal system? So. Um, as we mentioned before, the the crown uh, proposal system currently pays out uh, around forty three thousand crown a month to these different proposals, which sounds like a lot, but we've got you know some proposals that are eating up fifteen of that, um, some more, and so you know for final thoughts, I guess I would just 
ask you exactly how you feel like, you know, it, it, it was interesting. And the reason I'm thinking of this is because Crown Fan, um, who's an active member of the community, was talking with a specific um, uh, people from a specific proposal, which really isn't important, except for the fact that he highlighted, you know, people were saying, well, if we have to live off this money because this is our job, we have to ask for a lot because the price is volatile. So then that, and he was kind of asking, is that really what we should be after? Should people be treating Crown as a full-time job um, and using the proposal system to sort of collect a salary, if you will? Or should it not be that way? Should we have more kind of micro proposals that are targeting specific areas, um, maybe running for a limited period of time? And, you know, to me, I would probably tend to agree more with that just because, you know, you do want stability, some stability in the team. But like you said, turnover is a good thing because it means that, you know, bigger and better people are coming in, more talented people. The project is attracting more, um, more savvy people in all these different areas. So do you, do you kind of agree with that, that it's not really sustainable to have the project running to where we have like full time people on with the system? Or do you think that we should switch to some of these more sort of micro proposals? I don't know. I just don't. <laughs> I think uh, in some areas, yes. In some areas, no. Full-time people are an accelerant. If we're not accelerating, then they, those people are failing. Yep. I mean, put plain. And I don't think that that's, uh, I think that that is a question eventually we have to ask. You know, eventually, you know, years of doing this is an argument for sustainability years of 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 no growth or reverse growth is is quite the opposite it's, you know, it's a sign of failure so and i don't think that one team you know be it marketing or development can do it i think it's a it's a it's a it's a symphony and right. it has to be played and yeah. and so it does have to be centralized at first and then decentralized and so and that's good the question is are we pushing the gas and the brake at the same time every 3 to 6 months Mm-hmm. Is that what Crown's doing? And that the answer might be yes, and the answer may be no. I don't, you know, I don't know. But but I do think that um, you know some full time people in the project who are stewards are a great thing. And but but you know this doesn't need to be a startup like Facebook or Google or whatever where we're just adding a bunch of people. But I don't I don't know. Yeah. You know, but we, it's, it's interesting to sort of grapple with these things and, and we're not, you know, just for our listeners, you know, the, the members of the core team, uh, members of the community are grappling with this stuff every single day in the chat because I would say the majority of people agree with us um, in the fact that we want to keep pushing the project towards decentralization. Um, so if it sounds like we're being rough on the project, it's because we care about it because <laughs> we are, you know, we're invested and uh, we want to see this project succeed. And we feel like, you know, they're, I feel like they're taking some very good steps in that direction. Um, I just think things need to be kind of brought about a little faster. And there may be some uncomfortable conversations that need to be, need to happen among the team to make that happen. But at the end of the day, those will lead to a stronger project, a more decentralized uh, and stronger community. So we had like, we covered a bunch of stuff today. Wow, I'm impressed. It went really well. <laughs> this, is, this is probably either my favorite or my second favorite chain cast that we've done. Um, That's talking great. about uh, governance, decentralization, and, you know, the current state of uh, the crown token. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of exciting stuff coming out of the crown community. You know, we talked briefly about the 
exchanges. People are starting to get a feel for the wallet update. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see that catch on a little bit better um, than it did at launch. And, uh, you know, we're seeing some of this, uh, some of this decentralization, these steps towards decentralization being taken, like system node voting is, you know, um, being worked on and things like that. So it's, it is encouraging. I'm really excited for the release of the new white paper um, where we talked about, uh, we talked about that with Higher Bridge. I think it was an episode or two ago. Um, I think that's going to be very important for the community to kind of spell out exactly um, where we're going, but also the sort of the, the, the motivation behind Crown and what makes us different and uh, why Crown is better than a lot of the other projects out there. Um, so yeah, some really good thoughts. Do you, do you have any final things you want to say before we sign off? Um, the future is very, very exciting. Uh, my one warning on the markets is that um, we are, we are, the United States is about to go uh, into a bear market. I, uh, me and a couple other people actually argue that we're actually a month or a month and a half into a bear market uh, after being in an extremely uh, exciting bull market. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I don't know where this bottoms out or whatever. There's also fears in China of China slowing. Uh, and I don't know what this is going to do to the crypto market. So, you know, theoretically, what you are going to see is a liquidity. Now, I don't want to say crisis, but, you know, <laughs> a liquidity issue. Um, we're either the point where bankers are going to put that in crypto and you're going to see crypto explode to highs that none of us thought were possible this year or um, late, later this year or uh, the liquidity as, as it did starting in December left crypto before the stock market and then the stock market followed two weeks. So if that happens, um, you know, that will uh, uh, decimate uh, crypto and, and, and crypto could be in a, could be in a lull that exceeds uh, six months, you know, could, could, could do a lot of different things. So I don't know, but I would, I would watch the liquidity. You, everyone just needs to remember these are the same dollars, whether they're invested in stocks, bonds, treasury notes, or, uh, or, uh, or crypto. It's, it's, it's all money theoretically, or it's money or currency. <laughs> um, those two words mean different things, but, but um, it's all the same. And uh, if people are looking to store that liquidity in uh, precious metals or something else, or just fiat itself, then woe is us. Uh, the dollar is about to uh, make a serious gain. So there's a lot of weird things happening that some things that are usually inverted are not. And I don't know how that's going to benefit or, or hurt the crypto market. All I know is I think about this in three years and five years and 10 year terms at the minimum and uh, go long. Yep. All right. Good deal. Well, thanks so much everyone for listening. Um, again, if you want to get some email updates, be sure and sign up with your email at crownblockchain.com. We won't spam you. Uh, we're just going to use it to push out breaking news about crown and crypto um, as it comes into us. Again, we are not financial uh, or legal or medical advisors. Um, so make sure you do your own research and uh, consult with a licensed financial person if, if that's something you're wanting to get into. Also, again, uh, if you haven't hit that subscribe button, please make sure and do that. It really means a lot to us and you will get uh, our episodes pushed to your phone so you can listen to them on the car, the subway, uh, wherever, unless you're in New York and the subway doesn't work. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, if you have any questions about Crown, 
um, or if you have any sort of thoughts about it or you want to um, get some, give us some feedback, you can shoot me an email. My email is daniel at sistra, C-Y-S-T-R-A. That's my consulting firm, daniel at sistra.com. And uh, we may even pick one of those questions up for the next episode. You never know. So thanks again for listening and uh, we will go ahead and sign off. See y'all.